Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Bears Nation Podcast. Powered by ONTAP Sports Network. Football. You like to play football? Football, of course. It's a football game. Can we watch, Daddy? Bears Nation. It's training camp. I think we're in a good spot right now. You know, the Chicago Bear way is to run the football, stop the run. The biggest thing we need to do is be more consistent. I got this report from Chicago. If you're at training camp, you see the chemistry him and Justin have built. You got to be excited for what the season is going to look like. I'd like one ticket to Chicago. Chicago! When does it end? It's the Bears Nation podcast. We've got to get through to Chicago. Here's your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jay Kassan. Fit right into the hits principle. They're talented. It's Bears Nation, baby. Let's go. Welcome in Bears Nation podcast. It is Wednesday, August 30th, and we are doing our final talk recap evaluation of preseason football. It is finally almost kind of here. In about a week, NFL football regular season will be upon us. And so myself, Kevin Lapka, are here with you to break down where the roster currently stands, who's been cut, who's been waived, who's been signed over the last couple days following the finale of the preseason. And we're talking about it all, talking about the QB situation, and just go through the roster, talk about what stands where, and then get you ready for next week when we are back on our usual two-episode schedule, Monday, roster schedule breakdown, Wednesday, your first game preview of the year a week from today but as i said today it's just going to be an overall preseason recap where things stand expectations for the roster how we go forward from here over the next week or so five days or so so that's what we're here to bring you today bears nation podcast kevin lapka how are we doing Let's do it, man. A week from today, that doesn't even feel right. Like a week from today, we're talking about this game that has so, like, it is so much magnitude, Jake. It is so much magnitude. Like, if we lose, and I've said this before, if the Bears lose this game, like, I will be in perpetual hell. Like, they, they, like cancel the season if they lose. Like, I, I'm, I'm at that point. I'm at that point, but that's we'll save that for next week. Week one. It, week this one. is a week one game, by the way. <laughs> That we're talking about. <laughs> but am I wrong? Cancel the season, he said. Am I Cancel wrong? Cancel the season if they lose. Yes, you're wrong. I don't we'll know. We'll save that for know. next. I'm not doing this with you right now. We'll save that for next week when we actually preview the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> Continue. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Uh, but, you know, not a lot of surprises and shocks from the uh, the 53-man roster release. Uh, a lot of things that were expected. Of course, they do have the number one overall waiver claim, and they made a couple claims today uh, that we will discuss, and they do hold that claim for the first couple weeks of the season. So that's just an interesting thing to monitor. If other guys get released somehow, um, typically you won't see that too often. Typically the biggest releases have already occurred, but you never know. Um, trades can happen, which means a subsequent release happens if someone got picked up via trade you, you just never know so just to note that they do still have that first overall claim for the first couple weeks but yeah man let's break down this roster man 53 man roster revealed let's go through it let's uh let's break it down piece by piece yeah i mean we'll start uh with what kevin lack is the most fired up about the quarterback room currently two quarterbacks on the roster ladies and gents it is justin fields qb1 QB2, not Nathan Peterman, not P.J. Walker, 
undrafted Division II alumnus Tyson Badgett is your number two and only backup quarterback currently on the Bears roster. If something were to happen to Justin Fields over the next week plus 10 days, 11 days, whatever it is, if anything happens to him, sprains an ankle, getting out of bed, trips down the stairs, gets abducted by aliens, Tyson Baggant is your starting quarterback against the Green Bay Packers. Thoughts? I'm, I'm, I, I, it was a, a, a large sigh for me if you couldn't pick that up. Um, and it's not this. Ha, what I'm about to say has nothing to do with Tyson Badgett at all. Like this kid, it is an incredible story. D2, yeah. Shepherd University, had all the opportunities in the world to go D1, chose to stay D2, break almost every – I think he holds 57 school records, which doesn't even make sense. How are there 57 records to break at that school anyway? But he holds all of them. He's like one of the best passers of all time statistically in the NCAA entirely, not just D2. Like this is an incredible story. He earned his, his keep in the preseason, in training camp, busted his ass every single day. He deserves QB2. The problem I have is this, Jake, you know this as well as anyone with the media market and industry that we work in. It is not going to be long at all for fans to start clamoring for Tyson Bajan to play if in the event Justin Fields plays poorly in the first couple of weeks. It will sure. not take long. And we both know that. And we all have to understand that, first of all, Tyson Badgett will not play a single game this year that Justin Fields is healthy in. Meaning the only way Tyson Badgett will play and see the field this year is if Justin Fields get hurts, gets hurt. I don't care how bad things are. He will not see the field if Justin Fields is healthy in 2023. It will not happen. And I'm just, I, I, I get that the story's great and he earned his spot. But you just said, like, God forbid Justin Fields fall down the stairs tomorrow. I don't care if... He showed up in the preseason. You're not comfortable with Tyson Bajan as your QB1 if that were to happen week one or at any point throughout the season. You're just not. I mean, this is a guy who in the third preseason game, he rushed for a touchdown, but he was seven for 14 with 43 yards and a QB rating of 26, right? Like this is a player who needs development. He's a great project. He's a great story. And we talked last time about, hey, if he develops at the same time as Fields and you go into the Super Bowl window with a great backup quarterback in Tyson Bajan, awesome. But to insinuate that this guy is all of a sudden risen to the point where he could be a competitive starter if Justin Fields were to go down, I think it's just too much too soon. And again, this is not discounting Tyson Bajan. This is nothing against him. He's going to be, I hope, a great backup quarterback in this league. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, he does so well as a backup quarterback that he earns a starting spot for a bad team in the coming years, right? You see that all the time. Maybe that's the case for Tyson Bajan. But as of right now... Like, let's just put it to rest a little bit. Like, let's just, I know it's the only thing to really talk about because he plays the majority of the snaps in the preseason and there's just not much else to talk about. But Jake, it's just, it's getting on my nerves, man. And you just know, you know that the Facebook people are going to come out and the the deep Twitter fakes are going to come out and they're going to say, hey, this Beijing guy, you know, he should, he should be QB1. The moment Justin Fields throws an interception, the moment he does, and that's going to piss me the hell off. So I, I agree with all of that. Like the the Twitter chuds and the cretins from the deep parts of Bears Twitter, that I agree. They will come out and out of the woodwork as soon as Justin Fields fumbles or has a bad interception or whatever it may be. A drive stalls out. Maybe the Bears three and out on their first drive of the season. That's definitely going to happen. But that's always been the case. And that's probably the case everywhere in most fan bases with quarter. I mean, you think that's not going to happen to uh who's an example a good example is like i mean like do you think that's really not going to happen to like sam howell or to desmond ritter or even to jordan love like that's going to happen to those guys too similar situations if not one-to-one absolute however it's definitely something that's going to happen and it's just like you do with anything that is outrageous on the internet you ignore it and you keep it moving. Not everything needs a quote tweet. Not everything needs <laughs> an attempt to dunk on these Twitter eggs or these cretins from the, the underpasses of the internet. You just don't need it. We know what Justin Fields' ceiling is. At least we think we have an idea of what that ceiling could be. I like this 
from the pure standpoint that the Bears have never done this. The Bears have never made a decision to try and develop a young quarterback behind the starter, no matter who it might be, no matter if it's Mitch Trubisky, no matter if it's Nick Foles, no matter if it's Jay Cutler, no matter if it's Rex Grossman or Kyle Orton, nowhere along the line have the Bears ever made a commitment to keeping a promising young quarterback to try and develop, no matter even if they were only ever going to be a backup. And granted, there have been a lot of opportunities for that. The last notable one might be, what, David Fales? And that worked out spectacularly. He was on the practice squad (laughs) for all of his career. Like, the Bears have never had a quarterback that was this young and this promising that they could say, okay, here's somebody we can hold on to and develop, maybe not not to be the long-term starter, but somebody who could at least hold a clipboard and maybe could be with you for 10 years and, and at least be capable. Like, and I made this argument last week, you know what PJ Walker is and I get it. He has NFL experience. He's won NFL games. Yeah. That's fine and dandy. And that's why he got picked up by the Cleveland Browns immediately when he was cut. However, it's just refreshing. And I think it's part of the bigger conversation that we've had all off season going back to last off season with this regime of fresh new ideas and an overhaul mm-hmm. of the ideology that's in that building. And, and I think that's a good thing. And I think also what is important in this conversation is that today and yesterday, both Matt Eberflus and Ryan Pohl said, they didn't say like, yep, Tyson Badgett's the guy. One Unequivocally, 1,000%. That was never said. It wasn't even implied. They said it's fluid and we're still assessing the quarterback room. That's what they said. Yeah. Now, it's so nice to be here and know that we're not talking about the starter for once. Yeah, How many years over the past 25 years has that been applicable to the starter? For once, we know that that's not the case and that this is about the backup. And we can say, oh, Nathan Peterman might be coming back for the practice squad. Cool. I don't really care. Like, this is just such a refreshing to me. I'm not saying everybody else has to think this way. And that's why we have this podcast. That's why we're having this conversation. But it's a refreshing change to me that the Bears have shifted how they think about developing not just young quarterback talent, but overall young talent. And knowing that you need to prioritize certain positions. And quarterback is obviously the first one on that list. Did we like are we really gonna sit here and pretend that some of the things that Tyson Badgett did in the preseason didn't excite you and didn't make you think, oh. hey, this could be something? It did. But like your whole thing is that you just don't want to listen to the chatter on the internet once Justin Fields makes one mistake. I get that. I'm completely <laughs> in the same boat as you. It's just we know what it is. We know that it's just chatter and that's just people trying to stir others on the internet into a frenzy. And that's what the internet is about everything ever, not just Bears backup quarterbacks. But we know what the situation is. And I think that this is just a very good thing for the Bears as far as how they look at developing talent. You make a good point. And don't get me wrong. I recognize that this is a good thing. Like, I I recognize that this is a good thing and it's a different thing for the team. Like, what you're talking about is like the past few years or really like the past 10 years, not even at the quarterback position, but just throughout the roster, it feels like they've taken the safe route, if you know what I mean. Like, let's just go with the proven veteran, maybe the guy who's been around and the and, and all these things instead of the guy who, you know, might be riskier, but still has a lot to prove. Like, that's what good teams do, especially a team in the position like the Bears. Like, maybe if you're like the Eagles or you're the Chiefs and you don't really want to take a flyer out of QB2 if you need a must win game. Like in that situation, sure. But when you're in a position like the Bears, <laughs> excuse me. It's affordable. You could afford to have a Tyson Bajan on the roster. And, you know, to, to to your point, like, I almost like sort of the conviction. And, yeah, they didn't say he's QB2, but it's been implied pretty much by the release of, uh, of P.J. Walker and then the subsequent likely re-signing of Nathan Peterman to the practice squad that, hey, like, you proved yourself and we're going to reward you for proving yourself, and we're in on you as the backup quarterback, right? Instead of saying, hey, you know what, Beijing, you did everything you could. We're going to keep P.J. Walker around despite throwing, you know, three interceptions in the preseason and just have you sit in the background and act like you didn't earn anything. Like, in that sense, look, he earned it. He deserves that spot, and he's being rewarded for that, and that's a good thing. You want that kind of conviction from your coach and from your front office. And look, I, again, I am with you. Like, I, I I get it. This is a good thing for the Bears. Maybe it's even good enough to where he plays well enough in spots where Justin Fields is injured that you can eventually 
use him as trade bait. Like that, that could be a possibility years down the road, right? Like if he eventually plays really well in preseason, other teams scout him and all these different things, like maybe you trade him for a six round pick down the road. Like you just, you, you just don't know, but in no way is it a bad thing, right? Like it is, it's a concern if he were to start, you know, a game early in the season, it's a concern because he's just young and inexperienced, but it's not a bad thing that he's playing well and is on the roster. It's it, it, again, like you're right. Most rational media people won't ever insinuate that he should be the starting quarterback at any point this year. It's just, I, I I've seen it a lot. And the, the, the direction of that conversation really was just meant to be, Hey, like what he did in the preseason was good, but it wasn't spectacular enough to even warrant those conversations. Like it, it, it just wasn't like it was flashes against third string defenses, which is great, but like, it's just, it's, it's just not enough. And I, again, I hope he's great. I hope he's awesome, but it's not a bad thing. You're right. It's not a bad thing. So, Yeah, and it just says that the Bears were more worried about Tyson Baggett getting picked up by a different team than they were about P.J. Walker. So I, I think that speaks to the conviction they feel about his talent. Do his you think so, though? Court. Because Bailey Zappi wasn't picked up by any team, and Bailey Zappi's a quarterback that won meaningful games for a team that, sure. you know, was sort of in a playoff hunt late in the year. You know what I mean? Like, didn't he go up and beat the Packers in Lambeau? Like, it, so, it, it, I mean, so interpret that how you will. And, and I mean, Bailey Zappi ended up going back to the Patriots. So it, it, interpret that how you will vis-a-vis PJ Walker versus Tyson Badgett. I think it's a fine decision. I think sure. honestly, like, are we really like, are we really crying over PJ Walker versus Brandon Peterman. Like either way, Nathan if we Peterman. see either of those guys, Nathan Peterman, I keep saying Brandon Peterman, I'm doing it for like a year. Don't you know why. Quarterback, right? Brandon Peters. Um, anyway, Peters. the either way, if PJ Walker or Nathan Peterman are coming into the game, you're screwed. Like your, your, your chances <laughs> of winning aren't great. I mean, so yeah. it's kind of like one-to-one there. Uh, all right. We like talk about the quarterback enough on this podcast. We're going to spend too much more time on it. Uh, running backs. No real surprises here. Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, Rashawn Johnson, Travis Homer, Kari Blossomier for, of course, the, you know, you got to keep that fullback. So, I mean, not real surprises here. Kevin, any thoughts for you on the running back room? A little bit surprised Travis Homer made the roster. He's a great special teams guy. He's obviously not going to see offensive snaps. I think they value special teams, but, you know, maybe they carry a different guy at offensive line or something, or they carry, you know, Terrell Terrell Lewis instead of, you know, Travis Homer. I don't know. I mean, you already have three running backs, but he must just be that good at special teams that he's worth keeping around. Um, Not much at running back. Hey, shout out to our guy, Kellen Garrison. Actually picked up a job as the assistant director of recruiting at Boston College. For those of you who are listening to uh, this podcast for a while, he's our guy. Just a little shout out to him. He's in the chat right now. But yeah, not a lot of surprise from uh, running back there. Obviously, when it comes to RB1, RB2, RB3, it kind of shaped out that way through preseason. We knew that Kalu Herbert would be RB1. We have yet to see what the true snap percentage will be in the snap share will be for those guys. It'll be interesting to see week one, what it is because the hyper on Deontay Foreman seemed to have tapered off after like week one of the training camp, like after week one of training camp, there were people who were there who were saying, Hey, Deontay Foreman's playing really well. He could be like legitimate RB one getting majority of the snaps that obviously changed when Khalil Herbert played week one against Tennessee in the preseason and scored a 50 yard receiving touchdown. Seemed like he kind of took the edge from there and never looked back, but this is going to be for the most part, I believe a running back by committee. If you're drafting in your fantasy league, do not draft Kalua Herbert in my humble opinion. It's just not a good decision. So not many surprises for me at running back, but Jake, I, let's go to wide receiver here. Um, so they pick up Trent Taylor, right? They claim Trent Taylor will essentially sign him because he's a veteran. So he's not able to be claimed off of waivers. He's just waived and then signed. They sign him obviously kick return or punt returner more so than a wide receiver. Um, but are you surprised like, are you surprised Vailas Jones Jr. made the roster? Because I tweeted this today. Like, it honestly seems like his only role on the team is as a kick returner. And, like, if that's the case, like, eh, you could argue whether that's the right decision or not. But statistically, he's one of the best kick returners in the NFL. Like, when you go down his stats, he's top 10. And he, he was second in the league in 40-plus yard returns. He was top 10 in 20-plus yard returns. Top 10 in total yards. Top 10 in average yards, right? Like, a top 5, top 10 kick returner. But being a sole kick return, we kind of hinted at this before. Like, is that enough? Like, I, I don't know if you can make a roster just as a kick returner, but it kind of seems like that's his role on the team. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, I guess unless they have like some kind of gadget type situations where they're going to keep both these guys and try to use them both for their speed, or this turns into some kind of competition where they filter both these guys in as receivers and just as that deep blazing speed threat. And then whoever makes the first drop or makes the first mistake in coverage, I don't know gets cut then I don't, because here's the thing and uh kevin fishman of the athletic always uses this line like the bottom of the roster is fluid and it always will be to me these are two guys who are at the bottom of the roster and it's not a bad thing to have jones jr and taylor on the roster because you do need good returners however it doesn't seem likely that both of them will stick to me this seems like both these guys are going to be used in some capacity as a receiver over the next you know, month, whatever, first couple games, let's call it. And at a certain unidentified date, a decision will be made. One of these guys is more valuable than the other. or And maybe that could be because are we feel better about the other punt returners on the team or feel better about the other kick returners on the team. And this one brings more as a receiver. This one doesn't, so the other one's gone. That's just what that says to me, because you're right. I, I don't think you can justify, especially on this Bears roster that is so devoid of talent that, <laughs> and maybe that's a counter argument, but that you could just say, okay, one kick return specialist, one punt return specialist. Great. We're all set. Like it just, it doesn't seem like something, maybe last year you could get away with that, but that just doesn't seem like for a Bears team that wants to tell you that they could hunt for the playoffs it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't, it doesn't line up factually to me. So I'm approaching this and choosing to view this as, all right, there's going to be some kind of competition as to who's more valuable as a receiver and whoever loses this competition, whatever, however it's stacking up, however it's being evaluated, whoever loses that is gone in the next month or so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's possible. And then you, what, elevate someone from the practice squad, I guess? I mean, there's not really anyone on the practice squad that I, you know, think is like, oh, totally deserving of being on the roster. It's just a strange situation to have two guys on the team who are solely kick returners and punt returners when, I mean, I guess you could debate this and argue this, but like uh, we've had this discussion before, especially when it comes to kick returns. What's the value of it in today's NFL? You know, like... Keyshawn Nixon for the Packers was the leading kick return in the NFL last year. He was great and, you know, explosive and all that. But, like, since Devin Hester, okay, maybe Cordell Patterson, like, having an elite kick returner doesn't move the needle for your team. Does it maybe help you win a couple, maybe one game because he he, he gets yourself in good field position late in the game or something at one point in the year? Maybe. Maybe, maybe he helps you win one game, right? But, like, it's it's not justifiable to have two roster slots taken up for guys who are just returners at two different return positions. Like, yeah. let's be like, I know you're saying, hey, like these guys are gonna battle it out of wide receiver. These guys are getting any snaps. Like, you have your deep threat guy, gadget yeah. guy, and Tyler Scott. Like that, like if you're going to deploy some sort of gadget deep shot play to a guy down the roster, it's Tyler Scott. It's not Bayless Jones Jr. It's not Trent Taylor. You know what I mean? Like th- those guys are going to get no reps at all. So I truly do believe that they're on this roster for the return abilities. And that's just that is just crazy. Um, so I am just kind of shocked by it. I know Torian Whitfield is in the chat saying, how did EQ Equinemius St. Brown survive? He just blocks and drops for me. 
I there was no no doubter just because of the contract okay. they gave him. And I will say, and and here's a good talking point: credit to Ryan Poles for looking at this roster, especially when it comes to PJ Walker and Alex Leatherwood, two guys you owed, I believe. PJ Walker, you owed two million, yeah. and Leatherwood, you owed four. You still owe four, he's four million in dead cap. Credit to him looking at that and saying, "Hey, we don't care about the money. We're going to put together the best team possible, and you're in a position to do it because yeah. you have so much cap space and you can eat the dead cap." But I do like that ideology of saying, "Hey, put the money to the side, put the best team out on the field, talent wise." That's a really, really uh, humble thing to do, right? To kind of acknowledge that you made a bad free agent decision and you made a bad pickup the year before in Leatherwood, and just put your, you know, humility to the side and say, "Hey, we got to put the best team together possible." So shout out to them. But uh, yeah, the the whole wide receiver kick return thing is just very, very odd to me. But are you surprised EQ made the team? Not at all. Uh, he's a run blocker. That's his biggest strength for as much as this Bears team wants to run the ball. You need guys like that. That's why Mercedes Lewis was brought in. Mercedes Lewis is a zero <laughs> as a pass catcher. A zero. Zero point zero. Kevin Lapka has better receiving abilities than Mercedes Lewis at this point in his career. That's just a fact. He was brought in as a run blocker because this Bears team wants to run the football a billion times a game. It's like kind of back to the Velas Jones Jr. Tyler, um, what's the uh, uh, Taylor uh, conversation like EQ St. Brown's not getting reps at receiver like maybe as like the fifth receiver but theoretically you have in front of EQ St. Brown as receiving options DJ Moore Chase Claypool hopefully Tyler Scott hopefully Dar- well, Darnell Mooney obviously yeah and then yeah. and then Cole Komet Col- and then and then Robert Tunyon, Tunyon even is ahead of EQ St. Brown as well so EQ St. Brown is just there to block for the running backs and block for Justin Fields when he's running that's it anything else <laughs> is gravy he gives you one catch that's gravy that's more than what you're asking for from him so yes that's but that's part of where the dj Moore effect comes in because everything gets knocked down a level you don't need eq st brown to be your number three receiver anymore or even your number four receiver anymore because dj Moore is there to knock darnell mooney down to the two chase claypool down to the three Cole Komet is the one tight end already, but he's still in. He, I argue he's your number two receiving option behind DJ Moore. Robert Tunyon also wow. knocks that down a little bit. That's so crazy. that shuffles things for your pass catchers. It's why Dante Pettis isn't on the roster anymore. He doesn't need to be. You're not counting on those guys for anything anymore. You brought in capable players. So now you can keep these specialists like EQ St. Brown. He's fifth or sixth on your wide receiver death chart. Everybody knows he's just a blocker. Hell, he probably knows it. He's just happy to get a paycheck and be there and hang out and play football. Like, he, he's probably happy. Like, great. I don't have to go out there and catch passes because I'm probably not very good at it. Awesome. Like, that's pretty great. That's the American dream. You go and do the bare minimum and get the yeah. most amount of money possible. Like, that's great. But that's just the DJ Moore effect and the reshuffling of the wide receiver room and the receiving core. So I know also Kevin like I fully believe that Cole Komet is the second option as far as the receiving game goes. I mean, how can he not after last year in the, the rapport he showed with Justin Fields? It's DJ Moore, Cole Komet, and then everybody else. That is a crazy take. That's, obs- that's an absurd how? take. How? Darnell Mooney's the number two on this offense from a receiving standpoint. It's not as he works back from a horrific ankle injury. Oh, horrific. Let's relax with horrific. Oh, I mean, that is okay. 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 A season ending ankle injury that he had to ramp up all through all of camp for. Jake's acting like the ankle was out of the boat, out of the skin. Okay. But he's not 100%. Is that incorrect to say he's not 100% yet? I mean, I don't. Until, I, I, until we haven't heard otherwise. anything. Okay, until proven otherwise, sure. But we haven't heard anything like, "Hey, Donna Mooney's like ramping up." Like, no. Well, he's my argument 100%. is that Cole Komet had a full season with Justin Fields, and that connection was awesome for an entire year. That's, that's fine. I, I I get it. I just like, think it's, not, like, it's not. It's nothing against Darno Mooney. No, I know. It's more of like I famously am a huge Cole Komet guy, so that's more of a credit to him. Sure. And, and, and look, he gets the contract extension. He's, he's got the money to show for it. Darna Mooney's the one without the contract extension. So if you want to go from a, a money contract standpoint and who the front office trusts more, maybe it is Cole commit. I just think that that connection between Mooney and fields is still strong. And we saw it more in year one than we did in year two, uh, especially with the injury preventing him from playing the final, you know, seven games of the season. But I think Darna Mooney's like sort of a, like he, he's become underrated again. Like last year he was overrated. Sure. And now he's underrated, right? Because last year he was supposed to be forgotten about him. I I think he's just gotten lost in the shuffle of like the hype around DJ Moore, the hype around the Bears, 
And like even Chase Claypool's got more coverage than Darnell Mooney, but that's also because like Chase Claypool stunk last year, and so people are like, yeah, "Oh, can did. he bounce back?" Like Darnell Mooney is always when healthy, giving you like a baseline above average at oh, you know yeah. floor at his floor like type of production. So it's like I, I feel like it's just he's kind of getting lost in the shuffle of these other storylines. Yeah, I mean that. I I I think you're kind. Yeah, I think that I think you're right about that. I think you're right. But let's not forget in 2021, Tony is a thousand yard receiver. Like let's just. I yeah, think people I'm, do I'm, forget. Again, I'm not. And saying I'm not. Saying, I'm, not is, I'm not talking. Yeah, to you. not a knock on Darnell Mooney at all. It's just like I think people forget. Like he's obviously not a wide receiver one. He's not equipped handling you know top cornerbacks and and being the number one in offense. But as a wide receiver two, you could statistically make the argument and you know a two-year sample size, a one-year sample size of him being that RB2 in 2020 and 2021, that he's one of the better, or did I say RB? He's one of the better wide receiver twos in the NFL statistically. I mean, he's probably top 10 in that category behind some guys like T. Higgins and and, and Jalen Waddle, of course, who are, who are and Devonta Smith, who are light years above him, but probably still top 10. So um, shout out to Darna Moody. Let's move on to offensive line here. Jake, yes. if you want to do that, because this might take up a good amount of time. Uh, this might take the get, rest of the episode. This might take the rest of the episode. I mean, the names on here are to be expected. Braxton Jones, Larry Borum, Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, Doug Kramer, Nate Davis, Jatir Carter, Darno Wright, Aviante Collins. I wait, Nope, that is not right. This is not yeah, an updated depth waved. chart here. Dan, um, Dan he, Feeney now. And Doug Kramer was also waived. I this is I'm looking at some. I believe jank Doug Kramer was chart. put on a sorry like the IR. practice squad or IR. He was an IR designation, and then uh, Jatira. So everyone else was the same. Just Aviante Collins is, is is not on the roster. I don't know why that's on there. But yes, Dan Feeney Bears trade for Dan Feeney um, from formerly of the Miami Dolphins. Well, formerly of the New York Jets, he played 17 games for the Jets last year. Was signed to the Dolphins this past offseason on a one-year contract. Is now traded to the Bears in exchange for a 2024 sixth-round pick. A guy who just absolutely slams beers. There's a viral video of him going around absolutely shotgunning a beer at the Jets game and banging it off his head with a mullet. And everyone's like, "Well, this is the kind of guy you want up front," and that's damn right. But he will not get a lot of snaps. This is a depth piece. This is a rotational piece. But he is a healthy piece. 17 games last year. Now moving to an offensive line and a team that has not had a lot of luck when it comes to health. Um, It is necessary. And what I mean by not a lot of luck when it comes to health, I mean Tevin Jenkins going to IR, missing officially the first four games of the season with a lower leg injury pertaining to those calf strains that we discussed a week ago. Jake, I know we've had a lot of conversations about Tevin Jenkins. I can tell you're not happy about it. I'll let you sound off. I mean, it's not great. I mean, it just sucks for him, obviously. You know, like he just has dealt with injury after injury after injury. And we talked about this a little bit in our last episode. He just might be one of those guys where he's never going to be fully healthy for a full 17 games. He just might be one of those guys for as talented as he is. And as much as we like him when he's on the field, you might only ever get 10, 11, 12 games out of him. And, and those 10, 11, 12 games will be great, and you'll be happy to have him. But the best ability famously is availability, and Tevin Jenkins just thus far in his career hasn't been able to show that, and that sucks for him. Obviously, you ask him, he's going to say, like, he wants to be out there. He doesn't want to be hurt. Nobody wants to be hurt. But that's just the reality that we're living in right now, and that's why Dan Feeney was brought in, because Dan Feeney has – a versatility on the interior offensive line. He can play either guard spot and mm-hmm. center, and we'll get to that in a second. But you've just dealt with so much on the offensive line. Like Doug Kramer left the last preseason game with an injury. It looks like he might get on IR. He didn't practice today. No announcements have been made about that, but he is on the roster. It seems like short-term IR might be an option for him as well. Nate Davis, who we've talked about at length, was not seen for a lot of camp, wasn't seen in a lot of the preseason games. And Ryan Pohl said today that he was dealing with some other stuff outside of injury, So and that he's now in a good place. That's great, and we're great to hear that, and I have high hopes for Nate Davis, but – you know, you had the injury to Cody Whitehair's hand. You have Lucas Patrick, who has consistently dealt with injuries as a bear. So, yeah, it's not great. And, you know, you say, yeah, I'm not happy. Of course I'm not happy. I'm bummed for the kid, obviously. But I'm more bummed because, Kevin, we came on the show and we talked about how important continuity was going to be for Justin Fields on the offensive line. Now, once again, on the eve of a season – you have to go through this major reshuffling. You bring in a brand new center. You bring in a guy who has never even played a snap 
preseason or otherwise with any of these guys. Nobody. And so now that's concerning because the Packers say what you will about them. They, you know, they suck and they're our rival. And blah, 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 blah. They have a really good defense. They have ah. a very, okay, they have a above average top half of the league defense. And yeah. against, but regardless, sure. any NFL team is going to take advantage of the type of offensive line that the Bears are going to roll out there week one because we don't know how this is going to line up. We can project, sure, it looks like, and if I had to guess, it's probably going to be Braxton Jones, obviously, the only staple on this offensive line over the last year and a half. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, Dan Feeney, Nate Davis, and Darnell Wright. If I had to guess. But it also says that the Bears aren't confident in Lucas Patrick, which credit to you, you've said a lot. Early and often has been your stance that Lucas Patrick, the Bears, do not have a lot of faith in. Whether that be from an availability standpoint or a talent standpoint. Remember, the Bears gave Lucas Patrick a two-year contract at signing. So that, at the time indicated some kind of faith in his ability, but he also has dealt with injuries and he's also been hurt. And remember he missed a lot of time last season with a broken hand and then an ankle and this, that, and the other. So Dan Feeney might not start. He might start. I don't know, but this indicates that given his versatility, the bears are very concerned about the state of their offensive line. And I don't blame them because again, we talked about this, Kevin, if me and you can point this kind of thing out that how important continuity on the offensive mm-hmm. line is going to be to Justin Fields development. If we can spot that everybody in that building can see it too, which is very concerning. And I'm not saying that this is a nail in the coffin for Justin Fields, I'm not saying that Justin Fields is going to have a bad year, but we talked about, you know, last week, the week before all off season, we talked about how important this year is for Justin Fields and how having the perfect, most ideal situation possible conditions for him to take that leap is going to be. And now already you're just not going to have it. Already you're going to have all these question marks at at least two, maybe three positions on the offensive line. Like your tackles might be the only thing that you know is mm-hmm. set in place right now. Which is better than the interior? If you, it's better to know your tackles are set than your guards. It's not. I'm not saying it's a it's a sure. good trade off. I stopped like, short of saying that. I was thinking it. I didn't say it, but yeah. sure, I will agree with that. Yeah. So you're suggesting that Dan Feeney be the center week one? Is I think it's possible. Saying? Like I, I think that's in the air. I don't. I mean, you, I, you got I, you got what eleven days to get him up no. to speed. I, I think we'll be game. Patrick's. I should say. I, yeah, 11 days before the game. I think Lucas Patrick's a more capable center, probably. I think he's a better player. Like, if there's any optimism to be found, it is kind of looking at sort of the sample size uh, last year with Lucas Patrick in the offensive line and at center and and, and what he was able to do. And, and with Cody Whitehair, um, I believe, playing guard in those games as well, that he was playing center, specifically the New England game, right? And let's also remember this, Jake. Let's go back to this because I know things seem grim at offensive line right now or not grim, but they could be better, right? It would be, yes. it would just would be nice. Like, like the rest, it, it would just be a little bit nice if Tevin Jenkins were there. Other than that, I feel pretty okay about the offensive line. Your center is not Sam Mustafa. That is an upgrade. <laughs> I don't care who it is. And like, I'm, and I'm just, I, I know that sounds like a kind of a joke. That, that is a very true thing. No, the that's moment true. Sam Mustafer was not the center in that New England game. The Bears put up 33 points. The offense looked completely different. And who was playing center that game? It was Lucas Patrick. Now you're right about continuity and you're right about, you know, the whole training camp. You had Cody Whitehair, you know, giving you snaps. You kind of, Fields and Whitehair were kind of going through the ways that you know that he wanted the snaps to be received, all these different things, right? Natural things that quarterbacks and center do. But he received snaps from Lucas Patrick last year. 
He didn't receive any from Dan Feeney last year. He played in games with Lucas Patrick as the center last year. He didn't play in any games with Dan Feeney as the center last year. It makes way too much sense for Lucas Patrick to be the center. And look, they were three and four in games last year that Lucas Patrick played in. He played in the game that they won against San Francisco. He played in the game they won against Houston. He played in the game they won against New England. Like, I'm not ready to declare this offensive line is abysmal just because Lucas Patrick is playing center. Like I do think things will be okay. Could they be better? Like I preface this with yes, but I think they will be okay. I think this offensive line is good enough, especially considering you have receivers now who can get open quicker and you hopefully have a scheme that, you know, can, can help you get the ball out fast. And hopefully Justin Fields is developing to the point where he's, you know, taking those guys underneath and getting the ball out quicker. But like, I, I, I just, it's not great with Tevin Jenkins, but I don't think I'm as worried as everyone else is about how it'll actually impact the play on the field, especially week one, which I like, I know you like green Bay's defense. I just, there's no one that really threatens me when I look at their front four. And then the week after you play Tampa Bay, like you kind of have a little bit of leeway in those first few weeks to work out some kinks. Uh, if there are some problems with the offensive line, it's not like you face, you know, the commanders, week one who you do face later in the year, but that's one of the best front fours in the NFL, especially with the interior, right? Like you get a little bit of a break because you have Rashawn Gary, who's probably the definition of mid, you know, on green Bay and we'll do our full week one breakdown. I'm just pulling up their depth chart right now. So you have Rashawn Gary or wait, no, you, Oh yeah. Yeah. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith is old and mid, TJ Slayton, their nose tackle is is no one knows who. If that anybody is. ever refers to me as old and mid, take me out Just, back. That is <laughs> that is rough. It doesn't get worse than that. Kenny Clark is is still solid, but not the same player he was a couple years ago when he was like an All Pro. Like I don't know. I this isn't the Packers Nation podcast, but like, I, I, it's not threatening enough where I'm like. Oh God, the Packers front four is going to terrorize the offensive line, this offensive line that hasn't played a ton of snaps together. So um, still not great though that Tevin Jenkins went to IR. That's just, it's just weird, man. It's just weird that whole situation because it wasn't an on the field injury. It wasn't a preseason injury. It wasn't a training camp injury. Like my guy like tripped on the stairs or something. Like I I have no idea. It's It's like a spring training baseball injury. Yeah, exactly. Like no one knows how it happens. There, it might like remember the Trey Bird injury before the Eagles game. Like he had mm. a groin injury pop up, and everyone's like, he definitely had that injury having sex. Like everyone's like, yeah, it, it just makes fucking. too much sense. He, yeah, and like, hey, all power to. I him, will but, like, say, I, I will say that it, going back to the Tevin Jenkins injury thing. Like even if you think that the Green Bay defense isn't that formidable or isn't that big of a deal, you have the Tampa Bay defense right after that, and then the Chiefs defense right after that, too. Tampa Bay's terrible. Tampa Bay as a whole is terrible. I agree. But they still have good players on that defense. Like, there are still good players on that defense. Like, yeah, yes. I mean, do I think Tampa Bay as as, as a whole is terrible? Yes, because you have Baker Mayfield and Todd Bowles running that ship. Obviously, it is doomed to eternity at the bottom of the ocean. Not gonna go well. But the defense, in general is still a like pretty good unit and that's scary. And the yeah. Chiefs defense, like especially if Chris Jones comes back by then. Terrifying. Pray and, to God like, he does it. like that would be very scary. But I agree with what you're saying. Lucas Patrick, pro- I could see it going either way, but da- again, back to Dan Feeney's like versatility where he could play any interior spot. It's probably just more insurance, but the fact that Ryan Poles was able like not able willing to give up draft capital for him is just a little scary. That's all. Um, anyway, I digress, but anything else that stands out, uh, Kevin, uh, as far as on the defensive side of guys that made the bottom of the roster, anything here for you? I mean, I guess we can talk a little bit about Travis Gibson and Terrell Lewis, not making the roster. I mean, not really. I mean, well, made it Terrell Lewis made it at first and then waved today after, uh, uh, three waiver claims. Right. Right. So that's unfortunate for him. Um, cause he really earned that. And it's interesting, like talk about earning things i mean you can't really argue that uh travis gibson didn't really earn like he had a great he had one of the best preseasons of any player i just think like i know ryan post said it his scheme fit is one of the reasons they waived him but also just like 
you know, preseason's great, but like you had a couple years to prove yourself and you've and the been the vibes a were bad. Player. Like the, the, he said, he said of like, yeah, I requested a trade. A trade. No, I didn't. Yeah. And Travis Gibson's tweeting through it. It was very bizarre. Very bizarre. You don't need it. You got guys in Rasheem Green, Dominic Robinson, Demarcus Walker, and Yannick Ngakwe to hold you down. Kendo Vildor was released. Some people thought that was a surprise, but we kind of called that a couple weeks ago. No need for your services, Kendo Vildor. Um, other than that, no. There's nothing that really surprises you on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, the waiver claims we mentioned, Khalid Kareem, who's an edge that they really liked from Indianapolis because they saw him in joint practices. And then Quindell Johnson. Uh, who's a rookie, I believe he's a rookie, from uh, the Los Angeles Rams. They also picked him up on waivers. You won't see much of those guys, probably good special teams players and some guys that want to develop along the road. But no, not a lot, of, not, not really any surprises at all on the defense. And like overall, just not really many surprises across the roster. Like, And I think we said right. that a couple weeks ago. Like you kind of know this is the team. You got a lot of young guys. There wasn't a lot of positional battles. There wasn't a lot of competition. Um, this is just the way it is. And I'm just looking at the defensive depth chart right now. And I just, I, I like the way it looks. I do. I, I, I like what they have cooking there uh, on defense. But was there anything that really surprised you? I assume no. No, and the defense was basically what it was. Obviously, the big surprise was P.J. Walker. That was the big one, obviously. Running back was a little interesting, but I have no qualms with how that shook out. Um, and then wide receiver is just thing to watch. And now, I mean, the biggest thing is what happens with uh, Valus and Taylor and how that shakes out. So we'll see. I mean, again, I referenced it earlier. The bottom of the roster is always fluid. This is far from over there's still going to be a lot of roster turnover in the last five six roster spots but i think it's credit to ryan poles as far as you like what the building blocks have been like you like yes. especially what the secondary is and, and what the linebackers are so I, I think that that for the most part is fine everything else is more special teams based and specialist based and we'll go from there and that's an actually you you make a good point about building blocks. Like when you look at this roster, like again, we believe that the Bears could be a pretty solid team this year, um, and, and whatever. But we we know the Super Bowl window opens in twenty twenty four. When you look at the depth chart, like hopefully. you you have hopefully right. And and Ryan Poles talked about this today when you know discussing contract extensions for Jalen Johnson and Jarno Mooney, and he said, "Hey, both of those guys, we want to keep around. They're cornerstones. We believe of this franchise. Like when you look across the roster, you have a lot of guys." that are here on multi-year contracts that are good building blocks for this team. Like the core of this team is very good. You can argue that the fringe guys and sort of the guys who round out the roster aren't great. And maybe that's why you don't believe they can be a playoff team. But when you look at guys like Justin Fields, DJ Moore, Darno Mooney, Braxton Jones, Darno Wright, Nate Davis, you know, Yannick, well, Yannick got who's on a one-year deal. Uh, but Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, Jaquan Brisker, Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, like you have cornerstone building blocks across the depth chart and you still have the most cast base in the league next year. So you found all these guys that you like as building blocks. And next year you can spend some more money on rounding out this roster with talent at positions on one and two year deals. But I really like the way this roster looks, you know, from a building block standpoint and from just guys who, you know, are going to be cornerstones and just the core of this team it kind of segues into like expectations for me and, and, and like, you know, what to expect because it feels like it's been all over the place throughout the entirety of the preseason. And now that we're kind of at the end here of off season and training camp, and you're finally getting people's like final record predictions for the bears, final expectations. Hell, we're going to do an episode on that on Monday about our final, you know, you know, sure. record predictions. It's, I don't know if you've noticed this, and I've noticed this just because, you know, we work in betting and I've been following the NFC North odds markets and I've just been, you know, gauging, you know, reactions about the Bears and just, you know, people's temperature on the team. It feels like expectations have been severely tempered about this team since even week one of the preseason. Yes, and it's re it's reflected in the NFC North betting odds. They were like plus 400. I think at some point even high as like plus 350 in some books yep. to win the NFC North, like even with the Green Bay Packers. They're sitting now at plus 430. The Packers are plus 375. Like things have changed. And maybe it's the one game against Buffalo where Justin Fields didn't look great and people sort of got scared about that. But do you feel that expectations have really, really, really lowered since even like a couple weeks ago? Because I don't know if I'm just crazy. I want to get your opinion on that. It really feels like that's been the case. I wouldn't say they've really, really lowered. I would just say that the hype train has slowed that, yeah. you know, cause in off season when it's, when it's July 
in the middle of June and you know, you got nothing to talk about. You're fiending for some football and everyone wants to look around the league and say, okay, who are the young, exciting players? Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you go like, let's say you were able to Google search young, exciting NFL players from 2022 season, Justin Fields is one of the first guys that pops up in that highlight reel, you know, just because of the runs at the end of the season alone and those lightning fast, explosive plays. And so you look at one of those guys, you zero in on that. Okay. What, what does he check the boxes for? Explosive player, great athlete, major market showed flashes plays quarterback. Like those are all very important things for when you want to get hyped about a player and talk about a player and people will pay attention to you and you'll draw eyes to it. Okay, great. Now, how did that team try to make him better? Oh, they, they traded the number one overall pick for a number one bona fide star receiver. Like there, bang, another thing in the bucket for things to talk about. Like the hype train is just slowed. It, it lost a little bit of sure. steam because now there's been other things to talk about too. Other players have popped. Other players have been drafted. Other players have been signed. It's nothing against the Bears. And you know me, like I was always firmly in the camp that this was a seven, eight, maybe nine win team. But the hype train was just bang. Here we go. Bears, playoffs, first, worst to first. Here we go. Coach of the year, MVP. Bang, 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 bang. They're sweeping the awards board. And now it's just like, oh, there's still a lot of question marks about this team. And, oh, there's still a lot of question marks about maybe what Justin Fields is. And, oh, maybe Justin Fields and Jordan Love aren't that different as far as what we've seen from them and what we can oh, expect. Oh, no, no, no. There's still two big question marks. Oh, the Vikings still have a enormously talented supporting cast around an average quarterback, which helps him look better. And that they still have might have an awesome coach. And, oh, everybody's still high on the Lions because they flashed and they took a step forward and now people want to crown them, obviously. So I think it's just the hype train on the Bears has slowed. Reality has kind of set in as far as what the state of the NFC North is. And we've just kind of come back to reality a little bit, which is nothing against the Bears. It's nothing against those people who are driving that hype train, yourself included. Like, yeah, that's what happens, man. Like people are fiending for football and they want to talk about guys that were exciting and cool from the season prior and you whip yourself into a frenzy. Like it just happens. Who cares? Great. That's fun. It's part of what making t- makes talking about sports fun. It's why we love it. It's why we do it. It's why people listen to this podcast or watch the show. It's why we started this podcast because it's fun mm-hmm. to talk about these things now. And also it's like a little bit, you know, it's like first day of school jitters. We're about to start the season, and now That's it's kind of like, ooh, ooh, like, I don't know, like, am I going to like my classmates? What if my teachers mean? What if, you know, X, Y, Z, what if it's really hard? Like, now it's just kind of like those jitters where it's like, you know, in the summer, you know, oh, school? <laughs> Who cares? It's going to be point. a breeze. I've done years of this. Who cares? Then you get there, you're a freshman in college, you're like, holy shit, this is the scariest thing I've ever done. Like, it's just reality. Like, it's just yeah. kind of a, like you, now you're there and you're like, Ooh, I talked a really big game and now I'm a little scared. <laughs> like That's just what happens, man. That's just football is with everything. So to that point, that's actually a hilarious uh, analogy. Like that's really good. Do you fear that the bear, that the expectations were set too high like in in the off season, like does that fear you that the MVP hype for Fields was so high and that the playoff you know narrative was too strong? Like it doesn't fear me at all. And I was on a Vikings podcast last night, uh, and they asked me about this, and I was like, no, it doesn't it doesn't fear me. I think you're best when expectations are high. That's when that's when you thrive the most, right? Like I know people are like, oh, I love being the underdog mentality. Like that that's great and all, but like set the expectations high and meet them. Like that's the way I'd rather have. And I think Justin Fields is a player who won't crack under that pressure in comparison to a guy like Mitch Trubisky. But does it concern you at all about, you know, the amount of hype that was generated? Like, are you fearful of the expectations being set too high? No. And maybe this is because I've maintained the same level expectation basically from season's end uh, to now. And so maybe I'm just, maybe I just think about this differently, like the range of outcomes. And this is something that we talk about on you better, you bet a lot. Like is the range of outcomes for the bears to be a playoff team? Yes, absolutely. That is, that is one of their many ranges of outcomes is the most likely range of outcome that they're just like a seven or eight win team. Yes. And you see that reflected in the division odds and in the win total. 
is the range of outcomes that they bottom out and Fields just isn't the guy or he gets hurt and that they just completely bottom out. Yes, but what's the most likely? It's you got to look at things on a scale. Is it, do I lean personally towards more likely range of outcome, a playoff team than a bottom out team? Yes, that's what I would lean to. What do I feel the most about, strongly about? That they're just going to be a seven or eight win team. And is that a bad thing? No. You go from three wins yeah, to eight wins. You dust off the hands. You say, great, see you next year. And like you keep saying, the window opens next year. That's exactly what the division odds, the conference odds, the win total, that's what they tell us. When the numbers are telling you something about a roster, believe them. Believe them. And could we all be doofuses? And by we all, I mean me. Absolutely. 100%. I've spent 25 years of my life looking like a doofus more than I have a genius. But it's just managing your expectations. And now you can have that nervous energy a little bit. Be like, ah, I'm a little jittery. Fine. Like, that doesn't make you less of a fan. It doesn't make you less of a believer in the Bears. It makes you a regular human with a brain. That's a good point. Here's my thing real quick before we wrap, and it's a good tease for next week. I just don't believe that both things can be true when it comes to Justin Fields being good and the Bears winning seven games. Like, there is a direct correlation, in my opinion, to Justin Fields' growth and development as a player and wins for this team. And that's not a crazy statement to make. This is a quarterback's league. If you have a great quarterback, you're going to win more games. No shit, Sherlock. But if the Bears were to win seven games, I am more fearful that there is a discovery that Justin Fields is not the guy. That That's what I'm like. I don't think there's a scenario out there. I mean, maybe if you get screwed well, in one score game. But also remember, Justin Fields bad. missed, what, three games last year? Sure. That's maybe. part of that expectation. Sure. If that if that turns out to be the case, I'll, I'll walk that back. But, like, if the Bears win seven games and Justin Fields plays all 17, do you go into 2024 with this expectation that hitting the ground running, we got our QB, we got the team, we need a couple signed, a couple more players on the fringe uh, edges of the roster, and we're winning the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think both things can be true. And that's it's going to be reflected in my record prediction because obviously I think Justin Fields is going to be great, and I think that's going to be correlated to a certain amount of wins that I'll reveal on Monday. But I just, I just do not think both things can be true in that aspect when it comes to Justin Fields being good in the record. I think they are directly closer than what people believe correlated. Yeah, I mean, I I think that last year showed you your quarterback can be a superhero at times and you still lose games. But that roster like, was so bad. And, like, and the so thing is, bad. like, I know we like a lot of the additions that the Bears made, and we can dive more into this on Monday. I know we like a lot of the additions, but this isn't a complete roster. This isn't a roster without holes. The offensive line as a microcosm is a, is a great example of that. The mm-hmm. defensive line as a microcosm is a great example of that. Like, we like the secondary. We think we like linebackers. Remember, we have not seen the linebackers in this system or play together or play a snap as Bears yet. We're projecting, and we think they're going to be good, but we don't know that. The receivers. DJ, we think this is going to work with DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool, how they're lined up. We don't know that. We, they haven't. The, nothing's happened yeah. yet. And, and and injuries will happen as we've seen already and you'll lose games in weird ways as we've seen happen, but this is still a roster without holes. And last year showed that you can still lose games despite your quarterback doing everything he can not to lose those games. I think that even if Justin Fields takes that big step, like I think you're underestimating how big of a jump five wins is five wins is a lot in the NFL. Five wins is a lot of wins, Kevin, to go from But it happens day. more frequently than you think. It happens more frequently than you sure. think. Sure. Teams go first but to first I, every more, year. I'm more confident in the fact that you could win eight games and go eight and nine and still, like, and again, we'll dive more into this Monday. I think this is a great jumping off point for Monday. But I'm completely within the realm of thinking that Justin Fields can take that leap and you make a five-win improvement, and you feel great about it. I completely believe that. But we'll dive more into that on Monday. We will do our full schedule breakdown. We'll start. We'll pick this conversation back up on Monday because I think it's very interesting. I think there's a lot of good points to be made. But most importantly, 
schedule breakdown. All 17 games. Week 1 to week 18, myself, Kevin Lapka, we're going to break it all down game by game. Kevin's going to predict double-digit wins. I'm going to be around okay, 7 or 8. Now. We'll give our rationale, and we'll talk about it, and we'll argue about it, and we're going to get right into that regular season mode. We're going to get right into that lather, and next week starts when we are back for two episodes a week. We're back on our regular season schedule. So Monday, schedule – not really, schedule breakdown, which I've been teasing for like three weeks at this point. I'm sorry. We're finally going to do it, and then Wednesday is going to be game preview for week one. So – Thank you all, the listeners, the viewers. You guys are the best. Follow us at Bears Nation Pod on all your socials and where you get your podcasts. Myself, Jake Hassan at Jake underscore HAS2. Kevin at Kev Charles 112 at on for if you want to consume this podcast or go back and watch or listen, go there for that. But until Monday, when we are back on our regular season grind, we will see you all then. And until then, bear down.